0: Good morning Hope Church, let's start with a word of prayer today. Father we thank you, thank you for your goodness and faithfulness and Father we pray would you open our hearts, would you speak to us today, would you lead us and guide us in your word in Jesus mighty name, Amen. Well it's good to be with you again this morning, we are now coming to our eighth session on our series on the seven churches and this week we are looking at the last church Laodicea. I am hoping also to do a conclusion that will draw together this series on the seven churches. So, we leave Philadelphia and we travel on to Laodicea. Laodicea was some 50 miles southeast of Philadelphia. It was also just south of Hierapolis, about 10 miles, and Colossae was 10 miles to the east. Laodicea was a wealthy town. It was a banking city that was phenomenally rich. In AD 60, the town was destroyed by an earthquake, but they had so much money that they just got to and rebuilt the whole town. It also had a large Jewish community and the focus of the town was wealth and health. Uh, Part of its wealth was driven uh, by producing a raven black cloth that was made from wool. It also had a medical school, it had a hospital, and it was renowned for selling medicines and drugs. One of which was a salve that you put on your eyes. This salve was made from finely ground powder and you added water to the powder to create a paste that was applied to your eyes. Laodicea's placement meant it didn't have locally accessible water, and water needed to be piped to it. The problem was that by the time the water arrived at Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Let's read the letter now. You'll find it in Revelation 3 verse 14 to 22. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing and you don't realise that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This is perhaps the most famous of the churches that we know today, why? Because we've probably all heard a sermon on being lukewarm. And then there's that amazingly famous verse, look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. Now you will notice that that verse, even though it's used a lot evangelistically, it is written by Jesus to Christians. Me saying that will mess up a whole load of evangelistic messages. This is actually a sad church to end on. Whereas the letter to Philadelphia contained no complaint from Jesus, this letter contains no commendation from Jesus. The focus of the letter is about a self-sufficient church. The kind of church that doesn't need anything. It's trusting in its own wealth and it has become indifferent. Jesus starts the letter and he makes a really simple statement. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. One of the reoccurring themes in these seven letters to the churches is about their own perspective. Each church has a perspective of where it is at. And yet Jesus also gives his perspective about the church. Jesus has commended their perspective if it was a correct perspective. But Jesus has also rebuked their perspective if it is not fitted in line with his perspective of the church. As the church in Laodicea has got it all wrong, Jesus is reminding them of who he is. He is the truthful and faithful witness. He is the one who gives the correct perspective. Sometimes it's hard to be told truth by others. We don't like being corrected and yet without it we are in danger. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 27 verse 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Jesus does not speak truth to hurt us but to save us from calamity, to help us move forward. So Jesus starts his letter reminding the Laodicean church that his view is not just a perspective but is in fact the truthful perspective of their church. Here again we have the now familiar, I know, statement from Jesus. By now, we should understand that Jesus sees everything that we do. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Here, to Laodicea, Jesus starts with his complaint. People don't like lukewarm water. They tend to spit it out. This is a harsh statement. Jesus is telling the church, you're not a nice taste in my mouth and I'm going to spit you out. Why? Because of their indifference. Jesus prefers people to hate or love him. It gives him something to work with, but he can't stand indifference. You know, I've been taught over the years that the opposite of love is hate, but it's not. In reality, the opposite of love is indifference or apathy. A person who hates is still passionately concerned about the issue or the individual, but an indifferent person no longer cares. Jesus' second complaint was to do with the Laodiceans' trust in their wealth. They had wealth, they had health, but they did not have Jesus. How do we know that? This is demonstrated by Jesus being outside the church and knocking on their door. In our day, Christians in general have no problem with wealth. And yet we ignore all the mandates of Scripture about money and wealth. You know the Bible says that wealth is a massive negative for a believer. Listen to what Jesus says about the rich. This is Matthew 19 verse 23 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Yes, it is possible for rich people to be saved. But humanly speaking, Jesus says, it is impossible. Now, this comment may shock you. Let me tell you, it was so shocking to the disciples that they exclaimed, then who in the world can get saved? The church in Laodicea had all the wealth and health that one could desire. Their assessment of themselves was, we need nothing. Jesus's assessment was somewhat different. He says, You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realise that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This is the Jesus who is speaking the truth. Jesus is creating a contrast here for the Laodiceans. A wealthy town like Laodicea had more than its fair share of poor people. Wherever there is wealth, there are always poor people looking for help. When I was in India, there was often this amazing contrast between rich mansions interspersed with slums. The the Laodicean church thought it was rich, but Jesus described them as the poor beggars on the streets. This must have come as a real shock to the church. Listen to what Craig Keener says about the church. Some churches are weak yet endure. Some are poor yet rich, like the Nepalese Christians who have multiplied so many times over through much suffering and poverty. But some churches think that they are rich, yet do not know how devoid they are of true spiritual power. We do not think of ourselves as arrogant or uncommitted, yet as our own brothers and sisters in Christ suffer and die for their faith in many lands, we share little of our resources to help them. And most North American Christians do not even pray for them. While our economy is comparatively strong, we have opportunities to multiply our resources many times over. But our time like every other nation's time, will run out. May we have wisdom to sow for eternal things while we have opportunity. Now let me be clear, this is a massive challenge. It's about how we view ourselves as a wealthy nation. I do not have an issue with wealth per se. But In the same way that I don't have a problem with somebody building their house on a cliff's edge, we must be aware of the increased danger. The Bible's testimony about wealth is that it is dangerous. Not just the Bible, but church history highlights the shipwrecked lives of those who've succumbed to the law of wealth. So what is Jesus' solution to a church that thinks it's wealthy and healthy and it needs nothing else? His solution is quite ironic. He says, buy gold. Now, he's not talking about physical gold, not asking you to go down to the jewelers and buy gold. But he says, buy gold from Jesus. Jesus' gold is purified in fire. He's not talking about a possession here, but he's talking about the wealth of a godly life. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 7. So be truly glad. This is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, I will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Laodicea prided themselves in their black raven cloth. Jesus tells them, buy white garments so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. The Laodiceans prided themselves in their eye salve. Jesus tells them, and buy ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. Now, Jesus encourages this church. He says, I correct and discipline everyone that I love. Jesus loves this church. This letter is not addressed to the poor and struggling, but those who are rich and self-sufficient. Jesus always champions the cause of the suffering. This discipline for the Laodicean church, however unpleasant, was for its good. Jesus wants them to fix their eyes upon him. So how do we turn from being self-sufficient? How do we turn from being indifferent? How do we buy this gold that Jesus says? Well, the answer is simple. Jesus says, open the door. We come to this most famous verse in the Bible in verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What an amazing encouragement from Jesus. I've already said that this is so often used in evangelistic events that we miss the importance of this verse. Usually we have a picture of Jesus standing outside of an unbeliever's door knocking. That's not the correct context. Jesus, in this section of scripture, is standing outside his church trying to get in. Think about it for a moment. The head of the church, Jesus Christ, can't get into the Laodicean church. You know, it sends shivers down my spine. Can Jesus get into Hope Church? Can Jesus get into my life? Can he get into your life? We must face these questions. The solution for the Laodicean church is not difficult. It's simply open the door. Turn the handle and throw the door wide and the King of glory will come in. All it takes for an indifferent church is for one person to open the door. Just one. To conclude this morning, we need to be aware of the danger of wealth and money. Don't kid yourself, these are powerful forces. All of the ills we see in the world are down to people wanting wealth and power. This law for wealth, this thinking we are self-sufficient, was enough to deceive this whole church. Laodicea did not appear to be suffering persecution. They were not suffering from false teaching. They had simply been lured by the wealth and produced no spiritual fruit. Jesus' final encouragement to the church is that if they overcome, if they are victorious, then they will sit with him on his throne. This is a big challenge to us. We live in a wealthy nation. We may not think individually that we are wealthy, but in comparison to much of the world, we are extremely wealthy. Jesus says we need to overcome. We need to overcome this desire to be wealthy, this desire to think, I am now self-sufficient, I no longer need anything from God or from Jesus. We need to be victorious. Why? Because Jesus was victorious. I want to encourage you this morning, be persistent, persevere. Remember that our trust is not in this world but we trust in Jesus for all that he brings into our lives we need him whether we have a lot of money whether we have a little money we still need Jesus every single day of our lives let me finish with a scripture from Hebrews it highlights our need to look to Jesus Each of these letters, as we have seen, is about getting Jesus' perspective for our lives and about looking to Jesus. And Hebrews 12 verse 2-3 to says this, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up let's pray father i pray for the church i pray for us as believers i pray that we would safely navigate through the lure of wealth in our lives father help us not to um pierce ourselves with many thorns and and difficulties because we desire to be rich. Lord, let us be content with what we have. That is called true wealth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church and believers that supports those who are in less fortunate situations than we are. Help us to be a church that supports the believers in other nations that are being persecuted and have little. Lord, I pray, let us get a true perspective of Jesus in our lives. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to pray today that you would fix your eyes on Jesus. As we live in this world, that we would look to Jesus. He started our faith. He will finish our faith. And in between, he will lead us through. And so, Lord, I pray, bless us, walk with us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.